Is 10 or 10 fucks too many? <laughs> we can see what happens. 11 is too many. 10 yeah. is okay. 11, 10 is okay, but 11 over the line, mister. Civilian, this is the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. Welcome back to the show. My next guests are members from one of the hardest working bands out there right now. Describing themselves as a glam slam boogie woogie rock and roll band, they recently completed tours supporting Pretty Boy Floyd and Enough's Enough, and they're about to get, get out on the road and uh, support Japanese rock legends Loudness starting May 4th in Clifton, New Jersey. Sam Spade and Chris Sniper Highland are my guests from the Midnight Devils next on the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. Stick around. You guys were called um, the 3D in your face or something like that, right? I had no clue of this. Actually, it started, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a weird story is how we started is I was the, the stage manager for this 80s hair metal band named 3D in Your Face. The guitar player quit, Sniper joined, and we were immediately like became best friends. And uh, it, through, through like a series of circumstances, he got me into the band as the bass player, put his foot down. He's like, you got this. You're the bass player. We love the band. It just wasn't our band. So with the Midnight Devils, we decided to step out and, and kind of do our own thing and really call our shots and travel and, and, and really be the masters of our destiny without somebody else watching over us. So, so it was you, the two, two different bands. Okay. So you guys knew each other prior to all that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we he was he was in a band called uh, the Lonely Thieves, mm -hmm. and they were doing an opening act. And their guitar, uh, the 3D's guitar player, had walked out on a Friday night show. On Saturday night, they needed somebody. They called me, and I drove up to this. I drove like three hours to meet them, and I just went and called his covers. And I go, yeah, I can get through these, whatever. And so then Sam was his his band opened, and then he was stage manager. And I was like, who's who's handing me water? And it was him. And then we instantly became friends and uh, he was handing me guitars and waters and uh, just giving me the thumbs up. Like, you're doing good. You're doing good. And so that's how we met. And we haven't been or we haven't stopped being friends since then. You know, so it's been right. a, how many years? 15 ago? years almost. Like 10, yeah. 12, 15 years. Yeah, something like that. So when did you break off of that to form Midnight Devils? It was 2016 was one. When, uh, we we were sitting in a, in our dressing room. It was, it was Sniper and I, and we just go, you know what? Let's start let's start our own band, and we're gonna go out and do acoustic covers in, in these small towns. We're gonna do the hair, do the makeup, but we're just gonna do a two man acoustic group. We'll walk in, we'll take the money, we'll play the shows, and it'll be easy. Well, really, it wasn't easy at all. It was really difficult to play as a, an acoustic band. It was terrible, actually, because people can talk louder than you're playing. You know? <laughs> so we're just like, man, oh, this is rough. But we kept going, and we just kept playing these gigs and suffering, and then we finally got a drummer, and it kind of like Bob Dylan turned electric. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And was Jimmy your first drummer or no? No. Jimmy wasn't. We we pulled in the drummer that was with uh, with 3D in your face at the time. And so we, we booked a tour down to Rocklahoma, which was like this huge thing, our first tour, our first breakout. 
And four days into the tour, the drummer played a show Monday night, Kansas City, and walked off the stage to his girlfriend's waiting car and left the tour, didn't say one word, didn't get his drums, didn't get anything. So that's kind of when Jimmy came into the mix and and he we called him up and he's like, yeah, we'd lo- I'd love to do the tour. Uh, I'll learn the songs. He learned all the songs like in, in his headphones on the ride down. So we drove from Kansas City to Chicago, picked him up and drove back to Omaha, got in a van, a sniper drove us back and we finished the tour with Jimmy. And that's really how it worked. And we became like the same thing. We became best friends with Jimmy just through those those kind of rough patches and and, and just through that that trial of making the tour happen. Mm-hmm. So Sam, I'm noticing a common denominator here, which is you and why people are walking out on you. <laughs> it's because I'm, I'm a pushover, right? <laughs> I, I really think it's, it's not me. Uh, it kind of is me. It's, it's both of us together. We were like this, this team of, of, and we expect people to uphold a certain standard of, of excellence, if you will. If we're going to bring our best, everybody that's involved with us better bring their best every single time. He's the best at this, at being the musical director of making sure that we have like our songs dialed in. And if you don't have your songs dialed in on stage, you got to answer to him at the end of the night. Nobody wants that. It's usually a, a pillowcase and a, and a can of Coke, you know, and so. <laughs> are, are you no, tough actually, on them? Uh, I think that um, what it is, is we are so, um, I think me and Sam are both just so relentless about pursuing what we want that other people just can't keep up. If they can't keep up, they move on. And so, uh, that drummer definitely before Jimmy was definitely just trouble. We just, we were using him as far as we could, not using, but like we were playing with him as far as long as we could. And then, uh, drugs and, and, uh, drugs and women. And, and oh, just he, the, the whole behind the music thing happened. And I'm like, geez, Louise, he, couldn't, you know? he couldn't hang. He couldn't yeah. hang. And what happened to his drums? Funny story. Good story. Uh, <laughs> we had to, we had to supply the back line for the, uh, retrospect stage at Rocklahoma that year. And so I took him and put him in the van and we drove down there and Jimmy played him. And then when we came back, he wanted him back and said, I'll drop him at your dad's house right now, you know? And so I went out there and uh, his dad is in the window, like in the window of the, the house because he doesn't want to deal with it. I'm like, you're 45 years old living at home with your parents. Come on, man. You know, and he was getting all mouthy with me. And I said, I literally said, to him, do you want to get beat up in front of your dad? Because <laughs> this is going to happen right now. <laughs> Oh, I go, just shut up and take the drums and let me give you a lesson. He opened up the trunk of the tailgate of the truck and just swore <laughs> it and all the drums came tumbling. I wish that was that's how it in my head. That's how it happened. That's not really how it happened. <laughs> I wanted it to happen. I was believing you. <laughs> yeah, I was actually pretty lenient. I'm like, he, he owed me like 600 bucks and I gave him his drums back anyway. And I was like, yeah, good luck, buddy. I, I sincerely mean, I hope you do better and get off that shit. And he's like, F you and F that and F that. And I'm like, yeah. You see me walking down the street, go the other side, bro. I'm not going to be this cool next time we see each other, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I have not seen him since, but I heard a rumor that he's uh, dumpster diving to buy or to get, get scrap to, to survive because he has no job, no money, no phone, no car. Oh, no. Yeah, and no, I was like this. No drums. Sorry, man. I tried to help you, but. Yeah, yeah. So, Sam, tell me a little bit about your, um, like, when you started playing. I mean, what? Gave you the bug to want to play rock and roll. I was I was telling somebody this the other day. I was just celebrating my 38th birthday, okay, uh, last week. And that would make it so that I've been in a touring rock band for 20 years. This guy's got me beat, 
but I've been doing it for 20 years as kind of like, so I started when I was 18. I think I joined my first band uh, called Officially Terminated. It was a touring punk band from here in Nebraska. And basically the first thing we did was we got out and started playing songs and putting our, our band on the road. Terrible. But it was through that introduction with with Kiss and growing up in a small town and, and just this love of this music that I was like, this is what I want to do. And and really, we've made 20 years now of, of making music and traveling. So it's it's been, uh, I think, from where it came to where it is now, like it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's been it's been a lot. Mm-hmm. Did you start on your bass? I didn't. I started with guitar. I was actually a guitar player first. And uh, I wasn't that good of a guitar player. I'm not saying anything. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't that good of a guitar player. But when the the spot opened up for a bass player in 3D in your face, Sniper's like, learn all the songs. And I I spent a month and just learned every song that they had in the set list. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm a bass player. Now we can just put the guitars away. I'm just going to say... You know, it's not that he was a bad guitar player. It's just that he's better at bass. Does that make, does that make <laughs> you sense? You can say it. It's not and so, and the the whole, uh, and, and, and the truth is, we both used to drink very heavily. And so we thought we were better than we were. And then when we both stopped drinking, we realized, oh, we need to practice more, you know. And so I bet Clint Eastwood said, a man's got nose limitations. And, you know, that's where we're at. So I like, we both stopped drinking and, uh, Instead of sinking all that money into booze and all that energy into drinking booze and chasing ladies and blowing all your money on everything else, we put the energy into writing songs and being relentless about getting on the road and playing shows and getting out as much as possible. And, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, don't get me wrong. We have a lot of fun, but yeah. it's sure. the, the, and, and the being in this band is absolutely wild, especially with Jimmy Mess. It's the, the craziest thing. The, the stories and experiences we've had over the last two years are mind-blowing. And, and you wouldn't believe the stuff if we even told you. But at the end of the day, Sniper's very good at, at keeping this on our the front of our minds that we have to play our show to the best of our abilities, blow every other band out of the water, and then you can go have fun. Then do whatever you want. Go get as crazy as you want, but make sure that there's a burning, smoldering hole on the stage <laughs> <laughs> when we get done. Well, I've only seen you guys at one time with Enough's Enough. Um, I didn't catch you when you came to town um, with Pretty Boy Floyd. I missed that one. Um, but with Enough's Enough, I mean, you guys killed it live. Thank you. Oh, thank yeah. You. I mean, do you feel that you guys are, um, I mean, you really shine as a live band. Would you agree with that? Yes. I, I think we, we're kind of categorized in that, that equation of now we're in the, the part where we're writing songs that go, how do we transition that live feel and that energy? Because our live show is so much energy and we try and write it right there to that point where it's going to fall off the rails and just stay in that pocket. How do you mm-hmm. capture that and put it on tape? That's, right. that's our problem right now. Yeah. It, you know, like Van Halen sounded really good on records, but when you see the live experience, Kiss as well. You, they sounded good on record. You go see them, you're just, it's just so overwhelming. That's what we're shooting for is that just like, Oh my good, you know, like, oh wow, they did this, they did that, they did that, you know, just and we don't necessarily, you know, we're not dream theater, we don't play that technical or ever, but we just have a lot of fun and we try to play the best we can and give the money or give the people the money, you know, the show for the money. So I'm like, we don't gaze at our shoes, we move around a lot and have a lot of fun. Our our whole goal is to make sure if we're the opening act, the headlining act goes, damn it, we gotta follow that. <laughs> I, I said the same he, thing. That's too. what he. That's what he does. You know, yeah. he's he's so he's so interactive with the crowd. And if you've seen us, you know what I'm talking about. 
uh, he's very enthusiastic about getting into the crowd and uh, making the crowd uh, have as much fun as possible for the, you know, they paid five to get in or 20 to get in or whatever. They're, we want to make sure they get their money's worth, you know? Yeah, and he makes well, sure, but I know that. On the, yeah, on the, definitely. I mean, it looks like you guys are having a blast. So, well, it, it, is, else have fun. it is. It yeah. absolutely is. And with this band, we're unlike, and I don't say this as, a, as an egotistical thing, but we're not like any other band that's out there. And, and we were just out in Nashville. Uh, I was out in Nashville for the Rock and Pod convention. And I'm walking around looking at these band guys. And I go, like, some of them are, are older dudes, right? Right. But there's guys that are our age and that are like our contemporaries, and I'm the only one full makeup, wearing lingerie. Like it, it's not a it's not an act, and it's not a, sh- uh, a shtick. It's this is who we are, and and we're gonna give that act that vibration and just let it marinate and see where it goes. Yeah. When did um, the makeup and stuff? When did that all come into the picture? Was it from the beginning, or did that slowly progress into what it is now? He. Even when we were in 3D, he wore makeup to a certain extent, but not as not as heavy. He started going to the white face, and I I tried it a couple times, and I do this a lot when I'm playing, and so I just decided not to wear it at all because I end up everything on me is white, and so one thing about this band is we uh, there nothing's off limits. We don't say no to anything, and so Jimmy and him wanted to wear makeup. And they, I get asked all the time why I don't wear makeup. And I said, because I do this all the time when I'm playing. And I, the makeup is very slippery and it makes my picks like uh, not grippable. And so I just choose not to. Uh, I, I tell people this. I go, you know, with this band, what we're doing is we're expressing a freedom. A freedom to be whoever you want to be. A freedom to dress however you want to dress. And he doesn't want to wear makeup. That's totally cool. That's his freedom. And, and you know, anybody in the audience wants to dress up. You know, we're, we're playing to to people of all different, you know, no sexual orientation off limits. Nothing's off limits. And so it's like we don't want to project some some uh, agenda on Sniper or project some agenda. He doesn't project his agenda on us. We don't do it on the crowd. It's that live and let live. Do whatever you want because we're all here for the same reason. Yeah. If we can make people forget about their problems for like an hour. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. I'm like, I did, we did what we're supposed to do because they're having their smile and having fun tomorrow. They got to go back to that shit job and work there and be miserable just like the rest of us were. And I'm like, eh. so if we did that, whether you're wearing makeup or not, but he's always, his mind makeup has always been like changing. It changes throughout time. Ever evolving. Yes. Ever evolving. You're like Einstein with that evolution, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Sam, I noticed, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you were pretty influenced by Paul Stanley. Yeah, it's total. Uh, what? How'd I it, guess? It is. And I, it, it is. Uh, I, to me, it was like the, and you know how, like you watch those videos when you're a kid in your influence time, I would say, in the, the time when you're soaking up all that influence. And mine was, mine was watching the Kiss videos and I, I just took it all. And, and it's not something that I think about. It's just something that happens. And even if I try to control it and I try to like not do the Paul Stanley moves, it comes out, you know, but it, it's different enough to where it's it's my own. And I really feel that as an entertainer, Paul Stanley, David Lee Roth, those were the guys and those were the highest of highs, the ringleaders. And so to kind of attain to that and to follow in those footsteps, I think. And, and I don't think that there's anybody else doing it. And there's nobody in... Uh, it, like our contemporaries, like I said, there's no bands that really have the balls to put on makeup and wear lipstick and, and cover themselves in glitter and lay it all on the line. And that's really what we're doing is we're bringing energy, we're bringing excitement, we're bringing dangerous electricity 
to the stage. And I think that's one thing that's really missing in, in rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. That's very fun. I mean, you guys definitely bring it. Like I said, when I saw you, I was like, I, I was kind of surprised because I wasn't expecting that. And I was, I was. Happy. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and and, no, and nobody is. And that's such a crazy thing to me because I don't think about it. I'm just excited to be up there and I'm excited. Like when the intro's rolling, I, I'm jacked and I'm ready to roll. And the music just makes us move the way we move. It's not planned. It's not orchestrated. It's just mm. the, the excitement level is like maximum as we're walking up on stage. Mm. And it, and I see those guys, like I'll see guys that have gone before us or going after us and they go, okay, we're coming for it. We're coming for you. It's fine. Do what you got to do, but we're coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. Now sniper. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure I'm correct on this too, that you were influenced by Mr. Van Halen. Who? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <guy>. <laughs> yeah. The guy behind me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I, there's like three or four guys that I really like think are the shit. And he, of course, he's one of them. You know, Pete Townsend. I love him. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> uh, he teaches me how not to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm i a big George Lynch, Eddie Van Halen guy. Uh, I, there's a few other weirdo guys that I like that that aren't famous, that are cool, but I, I listen to, but they get mad at me when I'm on the bus and I'm like, hey man, can I listen to Steely Dan? They're like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, bro. But I just like music, I like everything. So, mm -hmm. but when we write, uh, I would say I'm, I'm influenced by like Randy Rose and Eddie Van Halen and George Lynch and, and that vein of guitar player. I, was, I grew up in that vein where the, sure. you know, back in the eighties, everybody had to have a super cool, hot, kick-ass guitar player. And, uh, right. That's, I always wanted to be that guy. Like the, you know, it's definitely a, a separation. And that's what, what is so cool about this band is that he doesn't just write guitar parts. He's writing riffs and licks. I can get up there with a Les Paul and play an A chord over and over, but he's writing these, these cool moving licks that, that make it really interesting for the listener and make the songs, not just boring, uh, punk rock songs, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a weird it's a weird like uh, thing that we have with that because he's more influenced by punk and I'm more influenced by like guitar driven rock and somehow we meet in the middle and it works for us. I I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it works for us. <laughs> yeah, and and so it's just you know we write like I'll show him a like we we write at my house in the basement by the cat boxes and it smells down there and you know but for we were writing I wrote I showed him this lick I go man I wrote this cool lip what do you think of it it was the beginning of highway 69 and he's like oh yeah yeah and he taped it on his iphone took it home came back like a few days later had the entire song hmm. like I, I got this i got this i got this change this change and he already had it all mapped out and i'm like i don't know how he does it but i'm like it's, it's really impressive that i just show him like a little part like this much and he comes back with the full song and i might have to you know do a little flavor here a little flavor there but for the most part his punk attitude and, and writing comes into play and it, it makes for an interesting combination i don't I, like i said i don't know if it's good or bad it, it works for us so you know is there is there one main songwriter in the band or is everybody contribute mostly we do both so and what we figured out slightly over the years over the 15 years that we've been together <laughs> is that we can each write songs and they're good but the best songs that we write are the songs that we collaborate with yeah and and i really think it takes the pressure off me as to writing guitar parts and where I just can focus on writing uh, melodies and, and really hooky choruses. 
where so he he'll take the guitar part and take the musical direction i'll take the lyrics and, and the melody and kind of direct where the song is going to fit in yeah there are songs we've both written separately uh and we both feel that they're okay but they're not as good as the ones when when we collaborate the ones we do collaboration on seem to be more i i, I think are better for whatever reason, yeah. So it's totally a, a Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Joe Perry, Stephen Tyler, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards. It's that guitar player singer relationship. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's weird, but it works for some reason. Freeze. Oh no, you, you on? You good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I got your record right here. Let's talk about this record a little bit. Well, actually, this CD. I, I'm old too. So Soon to be record. Soon to be record. There's vinyl coming out. Oh, is it? When's yeah, in the, in the next month or so, we have a, a limited edition. It's We only did 300 copies, but it's a, a vinyl pressing, a 12-inch vinyl with Highway 69 and working for the weekend on one side and then an etched back with our pictures on it. And it's got all new artwork, but it's a 12-inch single coming out in, in like a month or so. Nice. And that'll be available on your website? Yep, themidnightdevils.com. Okay, I'll have to watch for that. Um, but talk about this a little bit, because this was, um, you had Chips Enough produce this for you, right? Yeah. How did that all come about? Chip was, uh, Jimmy, our, our drummer, uh, Jimmy Mess, lives in Chicago. He moved from, I believe, out north, the Northwest, and he moved into Chip's house. And Chip and Jimmy were living together. And if you can even imagine the amount of reefer that was smoked like the velvet couches lined with food, you know, he would, they would tell us stories. Chip's wife would come down and be like, you guys have been smoking weed, watching TV for the last five hours. So there was a good relationship there. When we started the Midnight Devils, got Jimmy in, we started doing shows with Enough's Enough and we became friends with them and friends with Chip. And eventually they're like, let's, let's, Chip goes, I want to produce your record, bro. And we're like, I don't know. I don't know. And then we thought, oh, well, we got nothing to lose. We had some success with the first record that came out in 2018. Let's push ourselves and push this record and push our songs, see if we can get to another level. And that's what we did with this one. And having Chip on board really did that and really simplified, brought out the best in us. And he really produced the hell out of it. it became almost, you know, I say it like the George Martin of the Midnight Devils, almost the fourth member of the Midnight Devils. Mm -hmm. Did it at his house in Blue Island. It was great. How was it working with him? I mean, did he did he like change your ideas around, or did he let you pretty much go uh, with what you wanted to do? I mean, how do you how do you work with you? He really now it was weird. What was weird was we recorded it really odd for me because I like doing it like the old school where you all play it once in separate rooms, and we didn't do that. We did like drums. We play scratch tracks, and then you play to that track, and then they they got the drum. They did all the drums then on like a Saturday, wasn't yeah. it? And then uh, I came up after that. And did all the guitar tracks. And he Chip didn't really say, didn't change too much, didn't do too much for me. When it came to solos, or actually, he did the vocals next, didn't he? Oh, yeah. He wanted me to do the solos after the vocals. And we had the majority, we wrote, um, no, we didn't write any songs in the studio. We did a cover. And we did a cover. We, did, we had to learn a cover, but we had everything written. So he really didn't change much. He had little nuances here and there, but it, it was like the backup vocals and stuff like that. That's where he really put his magic spin on and adding little things to the song. Sonic Landscape, that's what he mm -hmm. called it. And uh, so the only time he told me no was one time, I, I remember this, he was reading something on his phone, had his glasses down, was reading something on the phone. I was in the guitar room recording. Smoking a joint. Yeah, he had a hooter. And uh, 
I did some at the end of the of Highway 69. And he's like, no, just like that. And I'm like, what? He's like, keep it simple, bro. And he's like, uh, what's his, I can't remember. Rob, Rob, erase all that. And I'm like, oh, man. He's like, don't put any of that on there. Let's just let the song speak for itself. And I'm like, okay. That's the only time he told me no. Everything else, he's let me play. And he's a good one, bro, next song, you know. And as far as vocals go, he layered and layered and layered and layered and, and did so much magic with the vocals and the little the nuanced things like saying, hey, man, maybe the bass player should play the flatted note here so it sounds like a, a third instead of like a fifth chord. And he did that kind of stuff and made it have that Chicago cheap trick kind of vibe, yeah. if you will, mm -hmm. the sonic landscape thing. And some of the stuff you never heard because we'd listen to it and go, that's just too much. You know, it's too much. And so they'd lower it in the mix a little bit. It's there. You just It's not as um, out front, you know. And, you know, so that's what Chip did. And, like, and what song is he at the, come on down? What song is that in? I don't know. <laughs> is it yeah, Crank Down? Crank Down. Crank yeah. Down. It's a song called Crank Down where it's like, come on down. He's got the Bob Barker stuff in there and did a few things like that. I, I remember fun. what he did with Jimmy. Like, I don't know. I was kind of nervous to bring the songs in because, like, platinum performer, platinum songwriter, like, wrote a million songs, bang, Madonna, did all this stuff. He made it really cool in his house and his studio. <laughs> yeah and so we show him the the songs and he's like i like him all right let's play him and so jimmy's playing the drums and he goes jimmy no fills bro play it like the ramones and i was like that's stupid that's the stupidest <laughs> thing i ever heard right and then we listened to the playback and i was like oh my gosh like so it was just there was no fills it was just straight through on the drum parts and i go that was brilliant changed the whole song that. yeah yeah how about your bass with him being a bass player, did he was he hard on that or he's like, don't even bring the bass in. <laughs> <laughs> My God. So we'd like be playing, so we just sitting there playing the demos or playing getting the, the bass tracks, and he come up behind me and you know he like to like not take the guitar, but I'll like grab the the guitar neck and play while I'm standing in between him, you know. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, that's how we're gonna do it. I guess you're doing a so, like you're doing a flatted note there, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he he helped a ton on the on the bass playing, on the the singing, on the songwriting, the cadences, the way that the the really bringing the hooks out of the songs. And I think that was the cool thing: bring the hooks, don't bore yeah. us, get to the chorus. Like it's got to be massive. Yeah, yeah. Now you were touring a lot for this record so far, right? Yeah, and on the road pretty heavy, and you're we, still we, going on the road. Yeah. We traveled the world and we got, and I don't take it lightly at all. We don't take this lightly. We, we have been very, very blessed. We've worked our asses off, but with uh, Never Beg For It, we got to travel to Europe and travel the world promoting this record. And uh, we crossed the United States three or four times. We played the the whiskey. We played all these great festivals, Rock Fest, Rock Lahoma, uh, M3. And it, it seems like we had talked about this so many years ago, like when we didn't have gigs, when we had nowhere to go, we had no road shows. We go, man, the, the formula is put out a record, tour on that record, hit every small town everywhere in the whole United States, and then put out another record and do the same thing over again. And we talked about that, and now we're kind of doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back in the olden days, if you remember, they, like bands like Van Halen and Aerosmith, they put a record out a year and tour. That's yeah. what they did. I mean, like they six albums, six years. You're like, holy, that's unheard of today. Because yeah. they, they try to, you know, I think uh, Bon Jovi toured three or four years on Slippery When Wet. You know, I mean, he toured forever on that. And we were like, let's do try to write songs. That's what we're doing now. We're trying to write uh, another follow up, 
you know, for uh, never beg for it because we we got a little bit of downtime and we just said let's keep let's not waste time let's just keep writing songs. And we have seven or eight in the can mm-hmm. now, and we're working on uh, another cover to put on the record. And I can't say what it is. And uh, we're going to try to do or eleven or twelve songs on the record, and uh, with one cover being one of those. And mm-hmm. uh, we ain't fooling around, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, so. Why why are you choosing to do another cover? Well, for one thing, it's like one of the coolest songs ever that we always liked. Me and him both like I said, what about this song? He's like, hell yeah. And Jimmy digs it too. And uh for whatever reason, uh Chip's like, I'll do my best chip imitation. Bro, gonna need a cover on that record, or they're gonna want a cover on there. Pick one and have it learned by tomorrow. And we're like, whoa, 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 what's that? And so we picked one. And we're driving by, we're in Chicago in the van, and we're driving by this place where we get hot dogs, and uh, some crazy songs out thrown around, and I'm just like this, no, we're not doing Taylor Swift, no, we're not doing, I mean, these crazy songs I've thrown out, and Loverboy came on the radio, and it was... Uh, uh, Loving every minute of Something it. like that, yeah, I was like, and I go, How about, what about working for the weekend? And they're like, yeah! And I'm like, that okay, so we went and learned it real quick in Jimmy's apartment. And went the next day and recorded it. So mm-hmm. we never pl- we'd never played it together as a band ever. Just we both learned the parts and went to it and just recorded it, and that was it. And then I had to come up, like come back later for a solo and everything. I had no clue what to do, kind of thing. That's what Chip wanted. So we figured this time, same deal. We'll have it ready this time in the in the in the chamber, as they call it, in the chamber, <laughs> ready to go. You know, is, is Chip producing the new one? Were you not sure? Well. About? We think so. We, we hope so. We, we talk to him about it. Wait, we don't know yet. The, the timing, it's really up to timing with us having downtime right now, writing the record, and then we leave May 4th. We'll leave about May 2nd to kick off the Loudness Tour, which begins in Clifton, New Jersey, and lasts from May 4th to June 4th. So it's like, well, we got that time, and then we have a break, and then we go out on a headlining tour, and then we have a break, and then we go overseas. So we're like, when are we going to record this? Who knows, but we'll have the songs ready to go. Whenever we yeah. have that time, we'll just be able to flip the switch and go do it. Yeah. Yeah. How how is the um reaction from fans overseas? You guys get a good uh following over there? It was it was much better than I ever even anticipated. Yeah. I'll tell you that uh, going into uh Europe was it was a two-year process of us working and, and making these contacts and and lining up all this stuff, getting passports. And I'm like, man, I hope this is worth it because we're going through hell to put our band uh you know overseas in europe and we got there and the first night we we landed we touched down we walk into the venue and it's hrh it's this big festival people are already like midnight devils oh yeah we played believe it yeah they knew who we were and then we're like okay well that's really good but we're playing the side stage how good is this really going to be we walk out on stage 500 people bouncing up and down to our songs i'm like this is it like we're doing we're doing our dream we're making it happen and so every show, it seemed like uh, people in Europe were more into what we were doing. And it wasn't such a struggle to get them to, to loosen up. Where here in the United States, you really got to like pound them, pound them, pound them till they eventually give in. Like I'll last longer than you have the war of attrition. But in Europe, they they show up with the battle vests on and yeah. they're ready to party. You know, that was mm-hmm. it was it was really cool. Yeah, it was super cool. It seemed like they love rock and roll. They were so into it. And being an American band. American bands hit different in Europe. Yeah. Sure yeah. do. Yeah, they do. I wonder why that is. I don't know. And we played with a band, uh, like a French band, 
and we play with other English bands and all this stuff. And I go, well, these bands are great. For some reason, the American bands just got like the, the high octane. Right. Yeah. Right. Language barrier, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right. But so you're going out with loudness. Um, now that you got some dates on that, right? That's going to be a little bit two months or so. Is it that long? Huge. Yeah, it's a huge one month, May 4th through June 4th. But it's like uh, we do in five days with one one or two day break every week for four weeks. And it's yeah. it's like not just a direct line across the United States. We go start in New Jersey and go to Atlanta and then to Ohio and then to Texas and then Chicago. And like we just keep zigzagging. St. Louis. Yeah. St. Louis. So it's a great it's good for us because it's all the markets that we've hit through our consecutive tours with Enough's Enough with Pretty Boy Floyd. We're doing it all in one big tour now with Loudness. Mm-hmm. Do you find when you go to repeat towns that the crowd gets bigger each time? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. in fact, we get like when Sam does a live feed or uh, he'll do like a live video or something saying, hey, you know, this is what's new. Everybody's like, come back here. Come back here. We that the views are up and everybody wants us to play Indiana or and I, South Carolina. I feel it's it. not just that we've made fans. It's that we made friends and we made family. And these people, uh, we got like these these little clusters of people all over the United States, all over the world that are now like our close personal friends. And we got to come back and party with our close personal friends again. So yeah. I don't feel like, like it's fans. It's it's like this whole big movement. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Um, now, I've, I've listened to the first record and then I've listened to Never Beg For It. Um, and I feel between those two records that you guys have grown as a band. Do you feel that in, in the band? Do you feel that you guys are growing and progressing? Oh, yeah, I think so. I yeah. I uh, was that guy that always wanted to be the best musician in the band, no matter what band I was in. I was push, push, push myself. And uh, and I try to push these guys, too. It's, mm-hmm. it's like hurting cats sometimes, but I can get them to you know listen to me once in a while. Usually I just threaten to not let them on the bus, and then if they don't listen to me. but. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, uh, Jimmy's changed a little bit. His playing's changed a little bit. And Sam's playing's changed quite a bit, too. And I do push him because the records are played one way, but live, you kind of got to change them a little bit because sometimes you can't do all the parts that you put on the record. So Sam will simplify his part sometimes to get the vocals down, which I'm okay with. I'll, I'll hold that part down. And then we'll extend songs and do the, the sing-alongs and everything. But through that, we got like a a mental telepathy or uh, a, you know, like you, you feel it, you understand what the other guy's going to do. You, he, he'll look at you and I'm like, I got what you're doing. You're going to go one more time. Got it. You know, we get a certain uh, feel for everything and their musicianship. And I feel mine too has improved. The more we play, the better it gets. Sometimes we don't play together for a month or two and we just get right back on stage. And it's like, yeah, well, we, we, it's like, we didn't even take a break. I mean, is that's that, I guess that's because it's our own material, but. That's what I feel like. You, you, know? you kind of know your role in the band and you accept that role and then start growing. Right. You know, like I, I'm the front man. So I'm going to grow as the front man and really push it to where I know where I can almost think what he's going to do and where he's going to go. He's right. There's like a mental telepathy there. And and with Jimmy, I'll, I'll give Jimmy the credit. He's, he's a great drummer. One of the only drummers I've never, ever had to like look back to see where he's at. Like, I can do my thing as the front man, and I never have to worry that he's going to stop playing. Sniper's oh. like, keep going. You know, <laughs> they, they really got it on lock where I can just flourish as a front man and, and really do the thing to push the show over the top where it needs to go. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever thought about going to a four piece or back to a four piece? There's been a lot of talk about it and <laughs> we don't know. We're, we're leaving it up, up, up in the air. We don't know. So what, what we've been doing lately is guys that we've been on tour with will be like, come up and play. And, and we kind of feel, I know you feel it too. There's like a, a different dynamic. It changes oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. when I just get to be the front man and having a bass player that doesn't have to do both at the same time. You get a better bass sound. So what, what we've discussed is like, man, wouldn't it be cool to have Chip as the bass player on the tour? <laughs> like the Midnight Devils featuring Chip. He's like, bro, I'd love to. I'll wear a dress. I'll wear lipstick. It's no problem. Let's do it. Go, oh, that's a good idea. You need to do that. I got to sit a good idea. in a dress with some makeup on. It's a good idea. The Midnight Devils featuring Chips enough. Man, I'm telling you, selling some tickets on that one. Do it. Hey, do it. Play two or three. Yeah, two or three hits. <laughs> yeah. The hits. Play cool. the hits. It'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, the dynamic definitely changes because um, I don't know if it's better or worse, but it definitely changes. And then all of a sudden, it's like the stage becomes crowded. Yeah. It's like when there's only two of us up there, it's pretty awesome. When there's three, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? You know? <laughs> and all my favorite bands growing up were four people. With the front man, guitar player, bass player, singer, the Who, Van Halen, you know, all that Led Zeppelin, all them bands did that. I'm like, that's cool. Except for some reason, and and, all, and you know, I, I we should tell the story. We were a four piece, right? Initially, when we started the Midnight Devils as Electric, the singer was supposed to come down. We had the get, September 17, 2016. Mm-hmm. We had this date lined up. We had everything. We we're going to do it all. He was he. We had a song list. He had them all. His car broke down in Indiana. He never showed up. So we had to go three piece because he never showed up. And so from that point forward, we realized at first we didn't realize we could do it. And Sam, Sam sang probably like eighty percent of the songs. I sang a few, and we realized we could do it. And then that change kind of opened our eyes a little bit of what the possibilities were for us to be, and that we were didn't need a front man who didn't really. Do that much? <laughs> Didn't you hold know, any gear. Yeah, I know. Mean, <laughs> I got you. The thing, you know, it, it, it and then the dynamic on stage is definitely different. And we did dodge a bolt because this guy was a like a lunatic on Facebook. I was just like, oh my god, so, talking about like you, uh, conspiracies and flat Earth. And I'm like, dude, if you're going to be in the band, you can't talk about that kind of stuff, you know. And so I'm like, I don't care what you believe, just don't talk about it on Facebook. And he was just insane. And Sam told me I can do it. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And so we've been that three piece ever since September 17th, 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that worked out for you. <laughs> like, I think, yeah. I think so too. There's I mean, no three pieces. Yeah. You know, even if he was just the front man and didn't play bass or guitar, I still don't think the energy would be the same uh, because it's just the vibe is different with four people than it is with three. And three is like three's, I was so, do you remember how I was like, oh, we need to be a four-piece? Yeah, yeah. I was so opposed to being three-piece. And he proved me wrong. I'm like, you're right. I'm wrong. We The energy is, is perfect. But I think we're leaving it open-ended right now to see whatever happens. You know, yeah. we're not saying yes or no to anything. And that's kind of the cool part. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome, man. You guys keep doing what you're doing. I mean, everything's sounding great. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, listen, good luck on tour. Um, you'll be back out there May 4th. Is that what we said? Yeah, May 4th. And in, uh, in Clifton, New Jersey, Dingbats is the kickoff show, the leadoff show for the Loudness Tour. And then we'll be cruising back uh, through in July. That'll be kind of south, like Myrtle Beach area. We'll be doing a headlining tour. Uh, so we'll crisscross the United States twice before 
uh, we join up with Pretty Boy Floyd and then head overseas. Are you doing, you said a headline tour, are you bringing anybody with you or are you going to? We haven't decided yet. We've been putting it out there uh, to see if anybody would want to, to see if anybody has, you know, like we want to be with the band that, that we can hang out with. Like we, sure. we love touring with Enough Enough because we hang out so well with them. Mm-hmm. So we, if we could take another band on tour, we really want to be able to enjoy that experience and be on the road with guys that we we like and we we enjoy hanging out with. So yeah, it's course. still, but I, and at the same token, I really want to return the favor of what Enough's Enough did for us and take a younger band out on the road because I think that's what bands used to do back in the day, and they don't do it now without like a big buy on or without mm. they lose all the personality. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know if you know this about musicians, but they can kind of be dicks. So it, when you can find somebody you can tour with and get along with and, sure. you know, that you can talk to before the, the show starts, that's kind of it, it can be difficult at times. And so yeah. Enough's Enough and Pretty Boy Floyd, both of them were so easy to work with. Uh, I, you know, we were we try we pride ourselves in being like really easy to work with. We're like, yeah, no problem. We can do it. We can do this. Choir Boys, another man, super easy to work with. Um British gentlemen, nice guys, pretty boy Floyd, nice guys, and enough, enough, nice guys. And I just like, they don't, they're not like divas and demand this or demand that. They're really straightforward and easy going. And so it's, it's hard to find uh, guys like that sometimes that just don't want to be like, oh, I thought there was going to be free alcohol here. And you're like, oh man, you know, you don't need that. So, and so they've been, we've been real fortunate that way. And we've played bands that aren't the best and I'm not going to mention any names. You know, it's not who I am, but. Uh, you know, there are people out there that give the, the rest of the guys bad names, and there's cool people too. You know, Chip's been more than Chip and Steve have been so cool to us in the past. You know, we drive them around and Troy Boy Floyd riding a bus with us for a month, you know. So we heard things, saw things, but it's like, this is crazy. We're on the, we're on the road with Pretty Boy Floyd in our bus. Like yeah. we're driving around with them, you know, it's crazy. So we're, we're putting it out there. If there's a band that's listening, a band that's, uh, you know, a, a new, young, up-and-coming band, if you got something you can bring to the, to the table to this, this tour, we'd definitely be interested in, in entertaining that idea. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with me here. Thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it, too.